Tonight, I'm going to talk about karma. In Upper Burma, near Mandalay, there is a very famous monastery where hundreds of monks are learning the scriptures. It was established by the late Mahaganda Yon Sayado, who lived in the last century. He lived from 1900 to 1977. This monastery is well known for its strict discipline and also for the very high quality of the teachings. Mahagandayon Sayado was a very well-learned monk and he had also the gift of being able to explain the Dhamma in quite simple and easily understandable works to lay people. He also wrote many books in Burmese, which um, most of them are not translated into English. And one of his books is called Abhidhamma in Daily Life, which explains the Abhidhamma, the rather intricate and complicated matter of Buddhist philosophy in easy words and uh, easy understandable examples. I think this is the only of his books that has been translated into English. As I said, the discipline in that monastery is quite strict. All the monks and novices have to follow the monastic discipline the Vinaya very closely. But on top of that, Mahagandayon Sayadaw set up another list of ten points um, to be followed. And the very, the first or the most important uh, point was to have a good heart. Other points out of this list included to keep one's body pure and clean, to keep one's environment pure and clean. And only the tenth and last point was to study well. And we should remember that it was a learning monastery where the monks, novices, were learning the scriptures. It's quite significant that a wise and learned monk like Mahagandayon Sayadaw stressed so much the importance of having a good heart, laying more stress on that than passing all the exams well. 
in the explanation of these ten points, it is said that having a good heart, one should avoid of doing unwholesome actions. We should speak, act, and think with a good heart, with a kind heart, always thinking of how to benefit ourselves and others, and always thinking of how to avoid suffering or the causes of suffering for ourselves and others. If our actions spring from a good heart, then they will be beneficial and wholesome. Also in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, we hear very often the importance of developing a good heart. A good heart, a kind heart, is a heart that tries to avoid any further uh, suffering or harm and that is always intent of helping and supporting others. His Holiness the Dalai Lama has put it in quite simple words when he said, My religion is kindness. Being kind to oneself and to others is the cause of happiness right here and now as well as happiness in the future. Behind these simple words, having a good heart or to be kind, lies the very deep and profound teaching of karma. The term karma is which is Pali, or in Sanskrit it's karma, literally means action. Now in the Buddhist teaching, karma doesn't just mean any kind of action, but it has a more specific meaning. So in the Buddhist teaching, with karma, we only refer to intentional actions, or uh, actions which have a conscious uh, motive or with a, which are done with a volition, mental volition. The Buddha defined it in this way. He said, O monks, intention is what I call karma. Having intention, one acts by body, speech and mind. So, karma in its specific Buddhist meaning means all intentional, wholesome and unwholesome actions. So, these intentional actions, these mental volitions, they can take the form of bodily, verbal or mental actions. Or they can be performed by actions of body, speech and mind. When we talk about karma, we have to include another very important aspect of the Buddha's teaching, and this is the law of cause and effect. This means that every cause will give rise to an effect, 
whenever there is a cause, then inevitably we will have some result or some effect. And this is not only true for material processes or physical processes, but the same holds true for mental phenomena or mental processes. So, all intentional actions, they produce some results or some effects. So, karma is one thing, that's the intentional action, and the results or the effects, that's another thing. And in Pali, that's called vipaka. Karma is the intentional action, and the resulting effect is Vipaka. The teaching of Kama is just an aspect of the natural law of cause and effect as it relates to our human behavior. Or we can say Kama is the teaching of the law of cause and effect on the moral plane. Karma is a teaching that is not so much to blindly believe in, but rather it's a teaching that we should explore and investigate and that we should be able to see uh, in its functioning. The Buddha always encouraged people to investigate or to inquire his teaching with an open heart so that one can come to a direct and personal understanding of it. So, our actions can be divided into two groups. We have wholesome actions and we have unwholesome actions. And according to the law of cause and effect, wholesome actions, they will give rise to wholesome effects or results, and any unwholesome action will produce unwholesome effects or results. This law of cause and effect is a natural law that functions in itself and is not dependent on any higher force or any lawgiver. And so, The teaching of karma is the law of cause and effect as it relates to our human behavior. And, as such, it's subject to the same natural laws, the same law of cause and effect. Karma is nothing personal. Karma doesn't know anything about us. It's just intentional actions which... Um, can produce results or effects under the right circumstances. So, karma is always just, it's always fair, because it's just functioning according to its inherent nature. It's like the nature of a fire. When a fire burns, its nature is to send out heat, or it's hot. So, when we get burned on a fire, 
the fire doesn't know that it burns us because it's just the nature, the inherent nature of the fire to be hot, to burn anything which comes near uh, it. So then, given the importance that we should perform or carry out wholesome actions and refrain from performing unwholesome actions. So what are the criteria to discern whether an action is wholesome or unwholesome? Which kind of actions are considered to be good? Which actions are considered to be bad? So wholesome actions are those kinds of actions which are skillful, beneficial, good, supporting our welfare and well-being, and they are based on understanding, based on wisdom. And it's those kinds of actions which remove suffering or affliction. And the Pali word for these kinds of actions is kusala. Unwholesome actions are those actions which are unhealthy, harmful, based on ignorance, and those actions which uh, cause suffering or affliction, or those which increase existing suffering and misery. And the Pali word for these kinds of actions is akusala. So, as I mentioned before, on the basis of the law of cause and effect, wholesome intentional actions, they produce wholesome effects or results. And unwholesome intentional actions, they give rise to unwholesome effects or results. And these results or effects, they can... Uh, they can happen immediately or that can happen after some period of time. And the time span during which a karma can produce a result, this is beyond our imagination. In the course of samsara, in this um, propitiating cycle of birth and death, we have performed innumerable actions, wholesome and unwholesome ones. And so, with all these actions, they have left the potential to give results. But for a karma to ripen, to produce an effect, there must be the right conditions and circumstances. Otherwise, it's not possible that that karma produces an effect or result. To illustrate this point, there is the famous example of the mango seed. If you take a mango seed and put it in a dark, cold room, put it on a concrete floor, then nothing will happen. 
this mango seed will not sprout and grow into a mango tree. However, if you take the very same mango seed and put it into fertile ground, if you water it and if there is enough warmth or sunshine, then it won't take long and this mango seed will start to sprout and then a mango tree will start to grow. So for this mango seed to sprout, there need to be the right conditions or circumstances. Namely, there needs to be fertile ground, water and warmth and sunshine. And so in the same way, for a kama to ripen, to produce an effect, there must also be the right conditions and circumstances. And the way that karma produces an effect is not a linear one, it's not a mechanical one. Actually, it's very difficult and very intricate to understand the workings of karma. It's only possible for a Buddha, uh, an omniscient being, to really know and understand the workings of Kama. And that's why the Buddha said that Kama is one of the four unthinkables, which means that unless one is a Buddha, an omniscient being, one cannot um, penetrate it by, uh, one cannot understand it by uh, thinking. So it means it's out of the reach of a normal, average, intelligent human being. Because karma is a process that never happens in isolation, but when we uh, perform an intentional deed by body, speech or mind, there are always many different factors accompanying that certain action. And then, when a karma ripens, when it produces an effect, there are also many different factors uh, at that time, outer circumstances as well as inner circumstances or conditions which have an impact on how this karma will ripen. And the Buddha gave the following example to explain this point. If you take a lump of salt and put it into a glass of water, then the water in that glass will become very, very salty and undrinkable. However, if you take the same lump of salt and throw it into the river Ganges, then the water of the river Ganges will not become very salty and it will not become undrinkable. So, some understanding of karma gives us a clear direction for our moral conduct of what actions to perform and also an incentive to 
uh, maintain uh, wholesome uh, beneficial actions. And even if we do not believe in past or future lives, the quality of actions that we perform in this life has an immediate effect on the quality of this present life. Although it's not possible to penetrate into the most intricate details of the workings of karma, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay attention to karma and its effects. As this is the basis of the whole cycle, the cycle of birth and death that we are evolving in, it's important that we base our actions on a general understanding of karma. First of all, we need to acknowledge that it matters how and what kind of actions we perform. And secondly, that we understand that each volitional action will yield an, a corresponding result or effect. And when we get this understanding, then we come to realize that we are responsible for ourselves. So we realize that our actions will have some effect or some results on ourselves and others and even at the world at large. Each comic action produces a potential for an effect to ripen. If others are affected or not, or how others are affected or not, this we don't know exactly. But it is for certain that we ourselves will experience the results from our karma. Because within the stream of consciousness, nothing gets lost. But karma is not some sort of solid thing which is stored in our consciousness and goes on from one existence to the next and to the next and to the next. But rather, karma is to be understood as some potential which can bring forth results when the circumstances or conditions are right. It's like a fire which is not stored in the match or in the matchbox, but under the right conditions, when there is friction, then the match um, striking on the matchbox will produce a flame, will produce fire. So what we can learn from contemplating the teaching of karma is the importance of taking responsibility for our lives. We ourselves are responsible for our happiness and misery. Or we ourselves are the creator of hell or heaven. 
Sayadaw Utitila was another very famous Burmese monk and he passed away in 1998 at the ripe age of 102 years and he actually spent many years living in England and he was sent there before the Second World War and when the Second World War broke out um, he had apparently a very tough and hard time of surviving in London he didn't have many supporters or people who took care of him and so under great hardships he lived through the Second World War. He has written many books and his English was, was very good, actually excellent. And he said about karma, Man is the master of his own destiny, a child of the past and the parent of his future. Unwholesome actions are born on the conditions of the three unwholesome roots. And these three unwholesome roots are greed, hatred and delusion. In Pali this is called Loba, Dosa and Moha. So if we act out of greed, Loba, for example, because we want to get um, something that we desire very much, then very often we uh, refer to actions which are either against the prevailing social conventions or even which are against the prevailing law. So when we get our desired thing, we may feel happy and contented and uh, just enjoy that thing that we finally got. But the fact that this deed was based on greed, which is um, an unwholesome uh, uh, root, so this fact leaves the potential for an unwholesome result to appear sooner or later. So, having performed uncountable actions in the past, wholesome ones, unwholesome ones, we cannot prevent that these actions ripen, that they produce effects and results. So, whatever nice or unpleasant happens to us, we cannot make it not happening. But how we react to something happening to us, that can make a world of a difference. So, if we react to an unpleasant experience in our habitual way of getting upset, getting frustrated, disappointed or even getting angry, then we just create new unwholesome karma and so then we perpetuate uh, unwholesome karma 
which again uh, might give rise to unwholesome effects, unwholesome or unpleasant experiences in the future. And if we experienced uh, a nice sensation, a nice experience, and if we react to that in our habitual way of clinging to it, holding on to it, being attached to it, then again this reaction of attachment is an unwholesome reaction and with that we perpetuate more unwholesome actions, more unwholesome karma. However, when we understand the karma and its working, so if we can base our reaction to any given experience on understanding and consideration, then we will not fall into our habitual reactions, either by greed or uh, aversion, but we can act in a wholesome and skillful way, preventing more, unso- more unwholesome karma to accumulate. In order to be able to react in a wholesome and skillful way, we also need a huge amount of patience. So instead of reacting blindly, to any given experience, we need to be patient and we need to learn to wait for an appropriate and skillful reaction to that act. If it's a painful or unpleasant experience that we encounter, we can remind ourselves that the cause of this pain or unpleasantness has been created by us sometime in the past. And with this, we can try to avoid to add more pain or misery by trying uh, to deal with the situation in a skillful and wholesome way. And when we experience a pleasant uh, sensation or if it's a nice experience, then we can be thankful for the sweetness of the moment, but at the same time remind ourselves that we need to plant further seeds for even greater happiness and joy in the future. So knowing that karma is always just and fair, we can patiently endure whatever happens to us without the need to put the blame on somebody else and without the need to put the blame on outer circumstances or conditions. So when we start to observe how our actions affect ourselves and beings around us, then we'll start to have, we'll start to understand karma and its working and so we'll start to have confidence in the workings of karma. So then we are no longer overcome by the wrong view that it doesn't matter what we do 
or that whatever action we do will not necessarily have consequences. And so then it makes us confident that as long as we adhere to the law of karma and its effects, then we don't have to fear anything in the world. We know that under the protective wings of karma, we are safe and well. There is actually nothing to fear in this world or in the whole universe except our own misdeeds. So when we understand this point very clearly, then we can stand on our own feet. Then we are not dependent anymore on any higher force or any outer uh, force. But we can we understand that we ourselves are responsible for our lives. We ourselves are responsible for our happiness and our misery. And so, taking the responsibility in our, into our hands, we become fully self-reliant. At one time, the Buddha said to his monks, Be a refuge unto yourselves. Do not cling to anything else. Take the Dhamma as your refuge. Take nothing else as your refuge. And a verse in the Dhammapada says, Purity and impurity belong to oneself. No one can purify another. When we see more clearly that unwholesome actions will actually rebound uh, on us, then we will become more careful of what kind of actions we do. And so to become more careful means that we apply mindfulness and restraint. With mindfulness we can be aware of what is happening to us. We can be mindful of what is entering through the six sense doors. We know what is entering through the eyes, through the ears, through the nose, through the tongue, through the body, and through the mind. And then, being aware of it, we can clearly discern of what it is and also of what the appropriate and skillful action towards that uh, object is. So, wise attention is the basis from which wise and skillful actions spring. So in this way, with mindfulness and restraint, we can prevent that we fall back into our habitual and mostly unwholesome uh, reactions. If we could see the consequences of an unwholesome deed right here on the spot, like tar sticking on our body, then we would refrain from many of our deeds. In Switzerland, uh, we have 
the fairy tale of Frau Holle or Mrs. Holle. And actually, this fairy tale is an excellent teaching about karma and its effect. So I'd like to share it with you. There were two sisters who were quite of a different, um, had a quite a different character. One of these sisters was kind-hearted, had a good heart, she was kind to everybody, and she was doing all her work joyfully. The other sister, however, was lazy, ill-tempered, and full of envy. One day it happened that the good-hearted sister fell into the well, but she never reached the bottom of the well, but then she found herself in a different world. And as she walked along the path she found herself on, she was kind to everybody, greeting everybody. And whenever there were people who asked her to do some work, she joyfully helped and did that work. And uh, at one stage she uh, met Mrs. Holly and Mrs. Holly asked her to come with her and help her doing some work. She said she was quite busy. And the good-hearted sister went with her and the work that she had to do was to shake duvet uh, so that the down feathers fell out and they fell out and then they fell down to earth and they fell down as snow. So that's why in Switzerland children, when it's snowing, it means Mrs. Holle is working. <laughs> And after some time, Mrs. Holly told the good-hearted sister that this was enough, that she uh, could leave and go back to her home. And Mrs. Holly accompanied her outside the house, and there was a gate. And Mrs. Holly told her just to walk through that gate, and then she would be back at her home. And so... The good-hearted sister walked through the gate and as she was walking through it, a beautiful golden dress fell on her body. And so she returned home wearing this beautiful shiny golden dress. And as soon as her sister, the lazy one, saw her with this beautiful dress, she asked her where she was and how she got this beautiful dress. Because, of course, she too wanted such a nice dress. And the good-hearted sister told everything how it happened, how it came to be in that way. And so then the lazy sister, she also jumped into the well. And as her sister had told her, she found herself in this different world. And so she walked along the path and she never greeted people on the way and whenever people asked her to help do this or that she said that she didn't have any time that she couldn't do it 
And finally, she too met Mrs. Holly. And Mrs. Holly asked her to come with her and do some work for her. And the lazy sister went with Mrs. Holly. And Mrs. Holly told her what to do to shake the duvet. But she was lazy and she didn't do the work properly. And after some time, again, Mrs. Holly said that this was enough and that she was able to go back home. And she took the lazy sister out of the house and told her that she should walk through this gate and then she would be back home. And of course the lazy sister was only waiting for this, uh, expecting a gold and shiny dress to fall, fall upon her body. So she walked through the gate, but then through her great surprise and even greater disappointment, it wasn't a golden shiny dress that fell on her body, but it was a black dress made of tar. And so she was very much ashamed and immediately she tried to take off the dress, but unfortunately it stuck firmly on her body. Isn't this a good teaching about karma? (laughs) So if that would happen to us, I think we would be much, much more careful. (laughs) And it's due to our ignorance that we do not see um, things as they really are, that we are not able to clearly discern what is wholesome or unwholesome. The veil of ignorance covers reality and so we take the shadows for the real thing. And from that, just taking the shadows for the real thing, then we construct the world that is actually a product of our fantasy. Our views, our opinions, our ideas, they mostly fit to gratify our desires and wants. Because we are caught in this uh, belief that our happiness, um, that we can attain happiness by fulfilling all of our thousand wants and needs. And so, to this end, we do whatever action is needed to get it. And this can be wholesome or unwholesome. Somehow, it runs against our habitual way of thinking that happiness and peace could be attained by restraint and uh, letting go. But real peace and happiness comes from a good heart or from a wise heart which can distinguish between wholesome and unwholesome actions. And as I said before, wholesome actions are those actions which are skillful, beneficial, furthering well-being and happiness and reducing suffering, affliction and misery.
and unwholesome actions are those actions which are unskillful, increasing suffering and misery and which are based on ignorance or not knowing. I think that most people would agree that we should do wholesome, beneficial or helpful actions. But unfortunately people are very often overcome by either greed or aversion so that they are only concerned with their own happiness. Very often they lack the sensitivity to discern what would be helpful, what would be beneficial or what is causing more harm, what is inflicting suffering. And this has been a problem throughout history and the result of this is that in all the different religions and cultures uh, in the world there is a set of guidelines to be found which tell us what leads to harmonious relationships with um, other beings. And in the Buddhist tradition these guidelines for a harmonious relationship with our family, with our friends, with people at work, with relatives, with any living beings, these guidelines are known as the five precepts. And these guidelines, these basic five precepts, they can be regarded as the basic standard of human decency. From our own experience, we know that we want to be treated with respect and dignity. And so therefore, we should treat any other living being with respect and dignity. Our life, our well-being is very dear to us. We do not want to be killed. We do not want to be attacked. We don't want to be harmed or inflicted any injuries. And so we should understand that other beings are not different in this regard. Their life is dear to them. They don't want to be attacked. They don't want to be inflicted uh, physical suffering. So if we really care for ourselves, we will not do harm to any other living beings because we have clearly understood that on top of the harm we create, uh, we inflict on other beings, we have also uh, created unwholesome karma, which then in turn will affect ourselves, which in turn we have to experience some um, some kind of mental or physical uh, suffering. And so the same applies to the other four uh, basic precepts about um, not stealing, not engaging in sexual misconduct, not engaging in lying and not engaging in taking 
intoxicants. So if we bear these guidelines in our minds, then we will develop a sensitivity to the lives and feelings of other beings. So then on the understanding of their uh, pains and pleasures, then we will take great care in not doing anything which harms them, which creates suffering to them, but we only um, perform actions which further their well-being, their happiness, their joy or peace. So then more and more our mind will be guided by wisdom and compassion and so more and more our actions will become unselfish and beneficial to ourselves and others. So before when our mind was still under the strong influence of greed or aversion then also many of our reactions were based on either greed or aversion but with increasing understanding and wisdom then our actions will not be guided by greed or aversion but even though these uh, unwholesome factors might still arise in the mind but we are not slaves to them anymore we can discern them for what they are and then we can base our action or reaction to a certain experience on understanding, on wisdom or consideration. And this is exactly where the real freedom starts. The freedom not as the unlimited, unlimited freedom to do whatever we want in order to gratify all of our never-ending sense desires but the freedom to refrain from those actions which are unwholesome the freedom to refrain from those actions which cause further suffering which um, increase the misery of ourselves and others although Buddhism teaches that karma is the main cause of the inequalities in this world it doesn't teach that everything is due to past karma the law of cause and effect on the moral plane the law of karma and its effects is only one of the 24 causes which um, are described in Buddhist uh, psychology or karma is only one of the five um, five orders or uh, laws that are operating in the universe and to make this point clear the Buddha said to Sivaka Sivaka was a very famous and well-known physician at the Buddha's time so the Buddha said to him listen Sivaka some kinds of feeling 
arise with bile as condition, some with changes in the weather as condition, some with inconstant behavior as condition, some with danger from an external source as condition, some with karma results as condition. Any ascetic or Brahmin who is of the view that all feeling is entirely caused by previous karma, so any ascetic or Brahmin who holds this view, I say, is mistaken. So by bringing our mind in alignment with karma and its effects, we will experience greater and deeper joy and happiness in this life, but also in future existences. Then, if we do not interfere with the law of karma and its effects, then it will not disturb our mind. Karma is a teaching of social and spiritual responsibility for ourselves and others. Our way of reacting to a certain experience may still be influenced by greed, hatred or ignorance, but each moment of mindfulness and restraint can bring some light into our confused mind and direct it towards wholesomeness. The clearer the mind and the deeper the understanding of the natural laws, the swifter will our progress be to Nibbana. So, may all of you be able to take the responsibility into your hands and swiftly attain to Nibbana. Sound, sound, sound.